What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Tenerb. And I'm Eurekes. This is episode 194, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, The Ties That Bind. The Ties That mm-hmm. Bind! Mm-hmm. We're an independent podcast, friends. If you'd like what we've got going on, you can support the show over at buymeacoffee.com slash walking through, or you can go to our website, wtts.space. Space? <laughs> and gently click the little coffee cup icon on the bottom right corner. Uh, once you do that, you can buy one or two or five coffees. You could also put in your own number so you can buy 10,000 coffees if you want. Yes, please. That Yes, please. Uh, that would be a tremendous amount of coffees. Uh, that would be a lot of coffees. So many. Co- or you could, if you really like what we've got going on and you don't want to buy 10,000 coffees, you can click on the words walking through the Stargate. It'll take you straight over to what we just said before. Buymeacoffee.com slash walking through. But when you're there, you can do things such as sign up for what they call memberships. And we only got the one membership. It's called the general fund, but it's uh, you know a monthly thing. If you want to re- support the show on a monthly basis, that is where you can go. If you uh, really want, they have things called wish lists. We have a couple of technology based wish lists. We also have the wish list of watching the next two episodes of the non-canonical animated series uh, Stargate Infinity. And uh, once that funds, uh, that wish list funds, we will watch those two episodes and record our thoughts about it and post it right here on the main feed. So if you want to hear our hot takes on some of the best worst 90s Stargate animation that existed, not some of the, literally the best worst, uh, that's where you can do that. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have anybody in your life that wants to listen to this exquisite Stargate content where we talk about just how singular an experience (laughs) Stargate Infinity is, you can recommend our show to them and tell them that they can find us on Apple Podcasts and on Google Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts and on iHeartRadio Podcasts and on Amazon Podcasts. There's also a player on the website. I just realized the other day that it only has the past hundred episodes or so so relatively soon friends they will not be able to listen to uh they will only be able to listen to less than half of our stuff currently they can listen to more than half of our stuff but soon it'll be less than half that's true so they should get on it like right away however but 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 all the podcasts are available in all those other places yes and if they really want the full experience they can do what i recommend they do which is Get themselves a podcast aggregator. I use Overcast. You can use something else. And you can search for Walking Through the Stargate. They will find us. They will click the little plus button or subscribe button or whatever the button is for the whatever aggregator. And voila, they will have access to all of the episodes starting from the very beginning. And they'll be able to listen to us grow as people, Zach, really, honestly. Like we've, we've, we, we have actually. Yes. In many ways, but including as people that create podcast stuff, like, you know. We were not days. as skilled six years ago as we are now. No, wow, has it, it's wow. No, it yeah. hasn't quite been six years. It's, it's been five and a, almost five and a half. So five and a half. Not quite there yet, but we're getting there anyway. Yes. So, friends, if you want to let us know what you were doing five and a half years ago when we were starting this podcast, uh, you can probably let us know that. So, Zach, yes, if a person wants to let us know that what they were up to five and a half years ago when we were trying to cut our teeth with this podcasting business, how might they? How might they reach out and let us know? 
So if you look back into your Wayback Machines and realize what you were doing in Before the Dark Times. Yes. And you realize that it was an amazing story or you realize that it was a very ho-hum story. It's okay. Either one. We're not going to judge. You can tell us <laughs> yeah. by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Yes. Or you could go to the Facebooks and talk to us there. Um, or we got the Facebook page and the Facebook group. You can go to the Discords and enjoy the conversation there. There's a place called Not Stargate. That's one of the channels in there. Yes. And then you could like tell all sorts of stories there that, about that all sorts of do. Not Stargate things. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, and, 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 and if you are not a member of the Discord and you want to know how to do that, well, you can go to our website, which is WTTS.space. Space. And then you click the little button in the top right corner that looks like a little smiley face slash controller. Yes. And that will take you to the discords. Yes, it and will. And if you have never been on the discords, then Discord is going to ask you to create a user and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's but that, you know, that's what they do. You know, and, and then and then you'll get into the glorious realm of the walking through the Stargate Discord channel with all of the wonders therein. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. I it like is. it. I am very good at lurking. Uh, uh, every so often, I'll throw something <laughs> out there just for fun. You know, I think but, uh, uh, I think our Herman our hermeneutics channel is a little lacking. I think we got to we got to boot uh, I, that I, I, I mean, so like the hermeneutics really began with something stupid that I said. So I probably need to go in there and and uh, ex uh, I don't know what the word is. I, I lost it. B bloviate. You're gonna bloviate. <laughs> isn't that what hermeneutics is? <laughs> no, hermeneutics I... is talking about how we understand things, and it's the art and process of articulating the methods that we use to interpret new data. Bloviating. No. <laughs> Hermeneutics is the art of trying to articulate how we understand things and bring in and interpret new data. Ah, okay, okay, okay. It's not bloviating at all, Brent. That was a not joke. Not bloviating at all. It'll make sense when you hear the episode. Did you type that into the hermeneutics? Channel? Literally, just typed it. Just hit enter. <laughs> just it just happened just now. <laughs> oh yeah, there it is. I see it. Oh boy! <laughs> and if you want to be part of this insanity, go ahead and join the discords. Yep. Now, dear listeners, this is episode uh, one ninety four. Yeah. And if I do the six. math, one ninety four. Yeah. Six. Uh -huh. Six episodes. Six. That's it. Now, that's probably going to take us to the end of January, maybe into the middle of February. Then the middle of February gets weird. So, you know, it might ish. be a bit. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's not a laser focused. No. Uh, 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 point, but it, it, it gets you into the ballpark. Yes. And that's a metaphor to talk about how a baseball is really small, but a ah. ballpark relative to the baseball is really big. Yeah. But you know that it's in the ballpark. The ballpark is, is a place where you play baseball, by the way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Anyway, six episodes. Six episodes before the big 200. And we are planning to do that as a video cast uh, along yeah. with the, the audio recording of it. And you, dear listeners, can... 
Email us your your contrib- contributions to this. Yes. Uh, you know, you can have your little uh, sock puppet who ans- asks a question. Yep. Any um, question. You know, if, if you are not technically uh, savvy and are concerned about the capacity of of your ability to make a sock puppet or a video, well, you know, an audio question is perfectly fine, too. You know what? If you send in an audio question, then maybe what I'll do is that I'll have my sock puppet ask the question. It'll be as if it's a different voice just comes out of the sock puppet's mouth. Ooh, that would be really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, if if you can't even manage an audio question, <laughs> then you can write one in and then I'll write just one make, in. We'll make up a voice. I'll create a voice for you. <laughs> It'll probably be the thumping like this. <laughs> I'll channel my inner Scooby Doo. <laughs> or, or, or maybe, maybe I'll be kind of like I'll be the 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 uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an orc that's not so smart in the in the 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 the, the head. That's what this is. This a head? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, okay. Did I tell so, you that? Uh, so we can, you know, this is totally on topic, and we'll go right back to the sock puppets here in just a second. Um, we concluded our big D and D campaign, the one that was going on for three years. Ooh, that's my, cool. My 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 uh, my dwarven cleric died. Oh, at level twenty. Well, you know, at least he had a good long life, and in doing so. Caused the big bad evil guy's machinations to fail. <gasps> Ooh, it so was, it was a, a noble death. Oh, it was the best death. <laughs> it was so good. So now I rolled up a gnome wizard. So now a I got a new voice. Wizard. Hi, you know, I'm a gnome wizard. Ah, the gnome wizard. <laughs> I used to be a dwarf. Used to walk around talking about my ale and how hard I could punch things. Now I'm a wizard. Ah. So I've been playing a game called Ink. It's a mm-hmm. role-playing game where you take old characters that have died in other campaigns and you bring them into this system and then they're on a quest to basically get out of, uh, you know, the, the, the liminal space between this world and the next world. And there's all sorts of monsters and you actually get more power when you die because, you know, you're in this, you're already dead and, you know, you can't actually die. Yes. But when you die and everybody in your party dies, if you get a TPK... Then, yes. then, then you actually get points to level up, basically, mm-hmm. um, and it's mm-hmm. cool. So I have a half orc named Krull who is not so smart. He not called so everybody smart. George, especially <laughs> his friend. His friend was George, and he liked bunnies. Yeah, and, of course. And, and and you know, but but in, in after his death, he's he's not quite as dumb. He's a little ah. bit smarter. Uh, so George's name actually wasn't George; it was Skrek. And now uh-huh. he can call him Skrek, not George. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. But but Skrek died before George, but before Krull died, and so now Krull is looking for Skrek. Ah, that sounds fun. Yeah. So, um, and it's a relatively new uh, RPG called Ink. You can get it at your favorite uh, local game store and all that stuff. Yeah, go to your local game store, get stuff. It's good, good yeah. times. Yep. Okay. So back to the 200th episode. Yeah. 200 episode. Yeah. So that's in six episodes and, you know, bring in your questions by all means, send them now. Yes. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Get on it. Get on it. Do it. Uh, which reminds me, Brent, I need to get onto my sock puppet. Yeah. I was thinking about that yesterday. Uh, yes. I'm going to need to 
uh, talk to some people who are more artistic in the the uh, this type of artistry than I am, and uh, uh, help me out on that. But uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. All right. It'll be good. Well, while we are figuring that out and waiting for that, perhaps we should dig into this episode, The Ties That Bind, which actually connects to sock puppets because there's all sorts of ties and threads that bind the sock puppet together. Yes, it's true. And some of them have actually broken. Some of them often, possibly, I mean, depending on how old your sock is, if it's got a hold in it, for instance, yes. you know, uh, th- those, those so- ties that have bound uh, have broke. Yeah, yes. But that's not ha- what happens this episode. We're no. About the ones well, that, uh, they sort of do. They wear out. Well, they, 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 they might wear out. They will. <laughs> we don't know. They haven't yet. <laughs> they still haven't yet. <laughs> All right. In any case. So the director for this episode is William Waring. Mm-hmm. This is his first of three directing credits this season. Uh, he's done several things throughout the, the, the seasons of SG-1. Uh, in season eight, he did Lockdown and Gemini mm-hmm. uh, to kind of give you a sense of that. The teleplay is by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully, mm-hmm. and this is their first of seven episodes this season. Yeah, very nice. Almost half. Wow. Almost half. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, we have uh, several guest actors to talk about. We have Claudia Black returning mm-hmm. as Vala Maldoran, Gary Jones as Chief Master Sergeant Walter slash Radar Airman. He might get a promotion. Or I'll, uh, yeah, no, sir. Yes, sir. No. Yes, sir. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Dow plays Dr. Bill Lee. Mm-hmm. Lexa Doig plays Dr. Carolyn Lamb. Mm-hmm. We have Morris Chap Delane playing Tanat mm-hmm. and Jeff Rednup playing Jup. Mm-hmm. Those are the two aliens. Yep. We have Bruce Gray, who is plays Senator Fisher. Yes. And here is his mini I am mini biography on IMDb written by himself. Okay, nice. Either that or somebody else named Bruce Gray, which is entirely <laughs> possible, I suppose. <laughs> Bruce Gray also. <laughs> <laughs> so, most Canadians would know Bruce Gray as the star of the TV series Traitors, but most Americans would recognize him as the father of the groom in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Mm-hmm. Although he began his acting career on stage in the 1960s, he quickly moved into daytime dramas, contracted to Somerset, High Hopes, and The Edge of Night in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. A move to Hollywood in the 80s led to guest star roles on hundreds of TV shows recurring on Murder, She Wrote, Medium, Tour of Duty, Falling Skies, How I Met Your Mother, and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce gained notoriety in the gay community as Shickle the Pickle on Queer as Folk, mm-hmm. where then for football fans by playing, oh sorry, Shickle the Pickle on Queer as Folk. Mm-hmm. Then also as for football fans by playing the team owner on Playmakers for ESPN. There you go. There you go. So his first IMDb credit came in 1963. In the TV series The Serial, he plays the character of Clyde Carson in five episodes of that show. He was a serial actor in The Serial? Yeah. Yep. Or maybe maybe he was eating cereal uh, in the TV series The Serial. That could be too. I think, a, I think both. It's a show about breakfast. It is. You know, uh, Captain Crunch and, <laughs> and, and Fruit Loops. No, I need THE Cereal! Uh, oh. what, what is that? 
Cheerios. Chocula, of course. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> cornflakes. Cor- Ugh, gosh, I haven't had cornflakes in forever. All right. Next, we have to say hello to the beloved Wallace Shawn. Yay! Who plays Arlo. Yes. And this is his mini biography written by Gary uh, Brumberg. Mm-hmm. American character actor and playwright Wallace Shawn has one of those fun, delightfully, mischievously gnomish faces made for entertaining. Aha! Though he got out of the acting, out of the acting starting gate. Ah, okay. Though he got out of the acting starting gate rather late, he quickly excelled film and television while managing to turn himself into comedy egghead or loser types. Mm-hmm. Woody Allen's slightly threatened character in the movie Manhattan amusingly describes Wallace's benign gent as a humunculus, which may be a pretty fair description of this predominantly bald, wan, puckermouth, <laughs> butterball-framed, slightly lisping gent. <laughs> Thank you? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Only slightly less believable. <laughs> <laughs> Sean made his movie debut at age 36 in Allen's heralded classic in a brief but telling scene as Diane Keaton's ex-husband. Mm-hmm. The five foot two inch Jewish actor was born Wallace Michael Sean into privilege on November 12, 1943 in New York City. Uh, that means he just recently turned 80 years old. Oh, my goodness. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Wallace Shawn. Yeah, no kidding. So, as the son of Cecil Leone, 1906 to 2005, a journalist, and William Shawn, 1907 to 1992, renowned and longtime editor of The New Yorker. Okay. Oh, that's a fragment sentence. That's yeah. a fragment. Yeah. All right. Period. Or no, right. it's not. Hit, well, it's no, not. it. it it is it is the fragment tacked on to the previous sentence that we got messed up with. Yes. So. Yes. So, all right. Anyway, yes. getting back to it. His brother, Alan Sean, went on to become a composer. Oh, fun. Wallace was educated at both Harvard University, where he studied history, Yay! and Magdalen College, Oxford. Very nice. Wallace initially taught English in India on a Fulbright scholarship and oh, cool. then English, Latin, and drama back in New York. However, a keen interest in writing and acting soon compelled him to leave his cushy position and pursue a stage career as both playwright and actor. Mm-hmm. During his distinguished career, Wallace churned out several plays. Our Late Night, the first of his works was to be performed. Uh, first of his work, the first of his works to be performed was awarded an Off-Broadway Obie in 1975. Mm-hmm. This was followed by A Thought in Three Parts in 1976, The Mandrake in 1977, which he translated from the original Italian and made his acting debut. Ah, okay. Mario and Bruce in 1979, Aunt Dan and Lemon in 85, and The Fervor, for which he received his second Obie for Best New Play during the 1991 season. Mm Mm-hmm. A popular supporting player of comedy and the occasional drama, Sean's assorted cooks, cooks, creeps, brainiacs, and schmucks possessed both endearing and unappetizing qualities. Mm-hmm. He earned his best early notices, partnered with theater director and actor Andre Gregory 
in the unique Louis Malle-directed film My Dinner with Andre Mm -hmm. in 1981, Sean co-wrote the improvisatory humanistic piece with Brother Alan as the composer. Mm. Sean and Gregory would collaborate again for Mal in another superb original concept film, Vanya, on 42nd Street in 1994. Among Sean's offbeat films have been Bruce Paltrow's A Little Sex, James Ivory's The Bostonians, Stephen Frears' Prick Up Your Ears, Rob Reiner's The Princess Bride, Alan Rudolph's The Moderns, and Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle. And, because Rudolph's The Moderns, and Mrs. Parker the, the... And also Paul Bartlett's Scenes from the Class Struggle in Beverly Hills. Uh-huh. <laughs> he also appeared in several other Woody Allen offerings, including Radio Days, Shadows and Fog, The Curse of the Jade Scorpion, Melinda and Melinda, and the title role in Rifkin's Festival. Ah. So his name was Festival. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing harder at that joke than I should, but it was, I, I, I liked it. <laughs> okay, okay, well, good. I'm glad you liked it. So, since the 1990s, he has lent his vocal talents to a considerable number of animated pro- pictures, including a goofy movie, Toy Story, and its sequels, The Jungle Book, Mowgli's Story, The Incredibles, Chicken Little, Happy, Happily Never After, Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kitty Galore, and Animal Crackers. Mm-hmm. And he has some TV voices, including a whole bunch of things. He's got millennial fil- <laughs> Millennium films graced with uh, Sean's participation include Southland Tales, Kit Kittredge, and American Girl, Jack and the Beanstalk, The Speed of Thought, Vamps. Uh-huh. And he did a whole bunch of other stuff. Over the decades, Sean has scurried about effortlessly with a number of television guest appearances, including Taxi, Homicide, Life on the Streets, Ally McMeal, Law and Order Criminal Intent, Sex in the City, Desperate Housewives, The Daily Show, The 7D, Life in Pieces, The Good Fight, Mr. Robot, and Search Party. Mm-hmm. He has also drummed up a few recurring roles for himself in the process, including The Cosby Show, Murphy Brown, Clueless, Murphy Brown again, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. Crossing Jordan, The L Word, Gossip Girl, The Good Wife. Mozart in the Jungle, and more recently as Dr. Sturgis in the comedy Young Sheldon. And Stargate SG-1. And Stargate SG-1, which is... The most important. Absolutely the most important. His first IMDb credit came way back in 1979 when he played the character Jeremiah in the movie Manhattan. Yes. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, We have Malcolm Scott, who plays Caius. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he's known for Watchmen, RV, and Man of Steel. Uh, Man of Steel was actually his last credit on IMDb. And his first credit was Final Run in 1999 when he played Earl Hopkins. Final Run was a TV movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have Michael P. Northey, who plays Inago. Mm-hmm. Um, so Caius was the, the monk and Inago was the Jaffa junk salesman. So, uh, this mini-biography was written by Collingwood Management. It's a fascinating last name. Fascinating first name. (laughs) It's the title role. Mr. Management. (laughs) That's the person you want to (laughs) hire. Mr. C. Management. Mr. C. Management. God. (laughs) 
Uh, awesome. Uh, all right. Anyway, so, so what did Mr. Is, Management have to say? Yeah. yeah. Northey's biography. Born in Vancouver, Michael P. Northey is an accomplished actor who has worked in film and television since 1995. He is best known for being Erica, Once Upon a Time, Kindergarten Cop 2, Adventures in Babysitting, Kim Possible, Dangerous Lies, Mech X4, and Honor Society. Mm. Michael is also an accomplished writer. Nice. There you go. And... His first IMDb credit came in 1996 in the TV movie Have You Seen My Son when he plays Officer Wilson. Yikes. That's probably a probably a downer. Yeah. Well, hopefully Officer it's an- Wilson. Yeah. Have you seen my son? Yeah. Hopefully it ends well. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then we have Eileen Petty, who plays Major Gibson. Mm-hmm. Her mini biography was written by C.J. Taylor. Uh huh. Eileen Petty made her debut in the TV movie The Little Kidnappers in 1990. She has appeared in numerous major American television series, including The X Files and Smallville, but is perhaps best known for her role as Sergeant Aaron Mathias in Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. She starred in the 2007 film Juno. Nice. There you go. And. As C.J. Taylor said, her first IMDb credit was back in 1990 with Little Kidnappers, and she played Mr. Or I'm sorry, Mrs. Hooft. Mrs. Hooft. Mrs. Hooft. Um, and there we go. So the episode aired on August 5, 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are getting dangerously close <laughs> to when you and I actually met, Brent. Do you? Okay. I, I, I will have to trust you at this point because it's just like, yes, it's August. So it's possible that we have like met a... by this time. Um, yeah, okay. This would have been a Friday. Yes. Um, I moved in. I'm pretty sure it was early August. I suppose it's conceivable that it was very late July. Um, it's possible that Julie knows better than I. I don't know. <laughs> um, I can't remember for sure. Um, but uh, I probably would have moved in on a Saturday because my sister helped. Um, and. Uh, and, and my parents and we had like a caravan of like three or four different vans mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we didn't actually like rent a truck or nothing. No, we just like loaded up a whole bunch of minivans and such. And yep. And that's what you did when you had no money whatsoever was, and was moving it, across the state. Was it a caravan of caravans? Uh, no, I don't think any of them were caravans. One of well, them was a, a free star, a Ford Freestar. <laughs> This is this is captivating. I'm sure there's people that are just like, oh, tell me more about the vans used. Yeah. Anyway, um, and and so if I, I would guess that if I hadn't moved in by the fifth, that it was probably the sixth, the Saturday after this that I moved in. That's what I would guess. So it's right around now ish. So, you know, by the time we get to the next episode, we will probably have already met. It's, we will it's have quite likely into the Brent and Zach era. Hopefully everything about this show turns awesome at that point. Well, you know, <laughs> in any case, <laughs> what were we listening to on the radio? If we yeah. were actually listening to the radio? Well, I wasn't. I was probably well, actually, we were not listening to anything because I don't think the AC worked in the van that I was driving. And my sister was there with her first child, small child, uh, who 
was I don't know maybe maybe six or eight months old. Wow. Uh, may, no, she's probably older than that. How old? When? Well, when was this? This is two thousand five. No, so she had to been like two, because she's like twenty now. But the point so is the, that she was little. But that she was little. But anyway, anyway, and and we didn't have the air conditioner, so we had the 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 windows rolled down, and we were probably yes. just talking as loud as we could. Yes, because the windows <laughs> in August. Anyway, but if we were listening <laughs> to the, the radio, I'm yes. certainly we would have heard. We belong together by Mariah Carey, which still, still, yes. And in the UK, they were still listening to James Blunt, yeah, talking about how beautiful you are. Yeah, uh, jeez, yes. You're beautiful, Brent. I God, I hate that song. Anyway, yeah, carrying on, carrying on. Well, the Dukes of Hazard was number one in the box yeah, office this I week. Re- I didn't see that movie, but I remember being all like, "Wow, they're making it a movie." Out. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think anything of it, uh, but, you know, the Dukes of Hazard were famous for crashing into things. Yes. And you know what else was crashing into? Weddings. Wedding oh, crashers yeah, were okay. happening. All right. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, and you know what else is crashing into things? What? Uh, well, I have no idea if this Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but that was number three. Uh-huh. And there's crashing going on in the original, which is the only one that I've actually seen. But there you go. And, you know, when you crash into things, things tend to go up into the air, sky high into the air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then we must love dogs because that's all that's left. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's all that's left. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, like, I remember typing this out and I had like, like half of a half of a thought. Yeah. So it's like a quarter of a thought about how I could do this. And I, I forgot it. So <laughs> there you go. Once again, you get me being stupid well, I and mean, spontaneous. It's it's yes, it's all good. Absolutely. So what was happening in early August 2005, aside yeah. from Zach and Brent getting to know each other? Yes. On August 1, Stieg Larson's novel, The Girl with the... Why did... Wow. Okay. It's a dragon tattoo, but it... Apparently got autocorrected to the graph tattoo. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> all right. All right. So Stieg Larsson's novel, The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, is published posthumously in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, on August 2, Messenger, the Messenger spacecraft performs an Earth flyby. Yes. It's that. I remember the Messenger. The, the, permission yeah, the messenger to uh, buzz the tower. Yep. Uh, and so that's what it did. Got a little gravity assist. Yep. On August 2nd as well, the largest trade in NBA history is completed as five teams combine to swap 13 players, which that's brings yes. uh, Antoine Walker and Jason Williams to Miami. And then they end up leading Miami to its first ever championship that season. Uh-huh. So I think that's a lot of players that's a lot of teams that's that's that's, yeah that's an impressive spin of players Uh, yes wow on august 3rd uh president mayuya old sidam and taya of mauritania is overthrown in a military coup while attending the funeral of king fad in saudi arabia Mm -hmm. i butchered that name and i'm sorry well, that's you got it. We, we, we do what we can. When we know yep. better, we'll do better. Yep. Uh, on August 4th, 
Uh, the American Hall of Fame jockey Pat Day, who was 52 at the time, announces his retirement from the saddle after $298 million in career purses. Aha. Uh-huh. That's a lot of money. Yes. That he won. Although he didn't actually, like, get all of that. That's not all his. Or is it? Uh, I think so. I mean, no, it's not all I, his. No, no, like, no, no, no. A lot of it goes to, like, the owner of the horse. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he gets... However, that's still he, a did, lot. He, he won a lot of money in his time. Yes, he did. And on August 2nd, not August 7th. Yeah. In one of cricket history's closest tests... And despite a brave, unbeaten 43 from Australian tail-ender Brett Lee, England sneaks a two-run win in the series, turning second test at Edgebaston. Those are words. Those are words. I remember that. I mean, like, I, I, not going to get into it. At one point, I tried to explain some crickety stuff, and I was like, I probably butchered half of that. There's stuff. Stuff happened. But the point is, is that a two-run win is like, it's like it's like basically I would say a two run win is kind of like kicking like a 60 yard field goal to win by one as the clock wore out. Ah, right. It's like the, the it's just the, like the, the tiniest of slivers of wins. But it is a win. But it's a win. It's a win. So congratulations. Congratulations, England. Oh, in 2005. Right. In 2005. I have some trivia for this episode. Are you yes. interested? Yeah, let's dive into that. All right. So, uh, the script included a scene set on the cargo ship that showed a bathroom with many rings to clear the waste into space. <laughs> Suffice it, it never even made it to oh filming. Oh my gosh! I mean, so that, w- that would have been something that, uh, that uh, Malazzi put into the script, and then people... Uh, Less brazen, perhaps, said, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, <clears throat> so there was also additional dialogue for when Mitchell was posing as a bounty hunter. Uh, and he was giving all of his accolades as a bounty hunter in uh-huh. this cut scene <laughs> or cut before filming and such. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, in it, he was uh, claiming to have captured some of the most dangerous criminals in the galaxy, including Grabthar the Hammer. The Olsen Twins of Omega-3, uh, Moshe the Vile, and Trebek the Destroyer. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. So, yeah. Um, so this episode marks the first appearance of the Stargate Atlantis-style wormhole effect in SG-1. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that you had that, that one there. I noticed um, that I was, it was significantly less screechy. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's also, I mean, you got that, that, that uh, tube shape that kind of, yes. Zzz, yes. you know, as opposed to some of the other things that we've had. Um, and then finally, um, in the one scene when they're on the Inago planet, the planet with Inago, there are a couple of children that run by, and those are actually Bren Browder's Kids. Oh, real nice. kids. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, so this episode title in other languages, the French call it the ties that bind us. Mm-hmm. The Italian call it binding ties. Mm-hmm. The ties that bind is what the Spanish call a uh, permanent tie is what the Czech call it. Uh-huh. The Hungarians call it bond. Yes. And the Germans yes. 
They call it invisible ties. They don't call it still together? No, they call it invisible ties. They don't, they don't call it maybe it'll wear off? <laughs> Just throw some dirt on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> nice. All right. Are you ready for the synopsis? Yes, let's dive into it. All right. So here we go. The synopsis for The Ties That Bind. Daniel is saying goodbye to Vala. Now that the bracelets have been removed, she is heading off into the galaxy to whatever is next for her. Of course, as she leaves, she flirts to Eleven with Daniel. For his part, he's not really buying it. He also doesn't trust her to leave without stealing something, and to no one's surprise at all, she did. But Daniel, along with a couple of FSFs, find the item that she stole. And again, they find it again, because mm-hmm. she steals it again. Anyway, again. they say goodbye, yes. and Vala walks through the gate. Roughly one hour later, Daniel collapses while talking to Colonel Mitchell. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Daniel wakes up in the infirmary with Dr. Lamb and Colonel Mitchell looking over him. Dr. Lamb believes that whatever happened has to do with the Cormac bracelets because he immediately began to recover when Vala returned. Did you miss me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Later, they tell General Landry that the lingering link probably has to do with the mixing of technologies when Daniel and Vala were using the bracelets while interacting with the ancient long-range communications device. So Dr. Lee has Vala and Daniel wired up for testing, trying to figure out any way that he could to break the link, when Vala reluctantly admits that she knows someone who might be able to help, but he won't help her because she stole the bracelets from him. Mm-hmm. But Daniel thinks that he might help him. So, Daniel and Cameron travel to a strange new world and meet Vizini. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, Grand Nagus Zek. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Arlos. <laughs> Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Arlos is upset because Vala not only stole the bracelets... She also stole his heart. <laughs> Just ripped it right out of his chest while it was still beating. No, no, no. That's a different movie. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> now, he wants to see Vala again. Daniel and Cam are reluctant to do so, but finally agree uh, before Arlos goes into all the sordid details of their affair. Yes. Ew. Yes. So, uh, incidentally, the, like the, the 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 hand gestures that he was doing, yes, to to just kind of really drive home what was going on. That was like uh, Wallace Shawn kind of adding that in 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 the filming start. And, awesome, and it it really really works to just kind of force you to try to think about things you don't want to think about. <laughs> it was excellent. Anyway. Meanwhile, at the SGC, Major Gibson visits General Landry. The Senate Appropriations Committee plans to cut the SGC budget by 70%. Again. Because they want to focus on making new Daedalus-class starships and the Atlantis Expedition. The only way to change the mind of the Appropriations Committee is for Landry to plead his case with the committee in person. Mm -hmm. Back to the A-plot. When Arlos finally sees Vala, there is awkwardness as Vala lies. Of course, Arlos is unconvinced, Mm -hmm. but he's not too worried about it because he is certain that 
the memory of what she has done <laughs> will certainly haunt her forever. Yeah, that, that should, is punishment enough. That should do it. Yeah. Yeah, that should do it. Cam and Daniel look on in shock at all of this. <laughs> but finally, Arlos agrees to help if Vala returns his mother's necklace. But she, of course, doesn't have it anymore. Uh, however, Cam tells Arlos that they'll find the necklace. Mm-hmm. So, to get the necklace, they meet with Inago, who will return the necklace to them for a useless power coil. Why do you want that stupid necklace? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. Why do you want that useless power coil? Uh. Anyway. Yep. So, to get the power coil, they talk to a monk named Caius, who is using the piece of junk as a religious artifact. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. So, Caius is revealed he wants out of the monastery. He's actually a smuggler that went into hiding as a monk in the monastery because, you know, it was he was in trouble. Yes. Uh, and, and now he won't return the power coil until Vala returns his ship. And it's not just any ship. No, I don't want just any ship. I want the one that I have made special modifications to. Mm hmm. Uh, Brent, that that that's a reference to Star Wars. Just you, you think? Yeah, I uh, I didn't. Okay, okay. I can I, do, I, didn't, uh, I didn't want you. I didn't want you to like like miss that one. Can it do the the Kessel Run in one point twenty one gigawatts? <laughs> that 1. was a reference to twenty gigawatts. That was uh, that was the Back to the Future reference there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, back to the story. Vala is pretty well convinced that getting his ship back will be impossible because it is currently in the hands of the Lucian Alliance. Meanwhile, we see Tanat and Jup, two aliens that Vala and Daniel screwed over during the whole Prometheus Unbound incident. Yep. Uh, they are members of the Lucian Alliance, which is a loose organization of smugglers and ne'er-do-wells across the galaxy who are trying to uh, build power in the vacuum left over by the Gua'uld. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they're members of the Lucian Alliance and are being told that either they punish Fala for her treachery or the Lucian Alliance will punish them. Mm. Okay. So our heroes return to the SGC. They fill in Landry about the whole situation. Landry seems unwilling to commit anything further to an assault of any kind on this Lucian Alliance. And so he tells the linked pair that they will have to just simply live with this. And in the meantime, they need to pack up their bags and get ready to go to Washington so that Daniel can help with the Senate Appropriations Committee. It will be a few days before they have to go to Washington, and so Daniel is trying to get back to his own work. Vala is bored silly and does everything she can to remain Daniel's focus. She even tries to seduce him. Daniel is not amused. Nope. Tilk joins the contingent in Washington for the committee hearing. They all plead their case, but Senator Fisher is unimpressed. He finds this threat of the Ori to be a little convenient. Mm-hmm. You know, they finally defeat the Gould after eight years and the replicators. And now all of a sudden, when your budget is about to be cut, you discover a new big bad guy out there that needs lots of money. This is ridiculous. It's almost it's almost like it's a TV show or something. That's ridiculous. The meeting ends with it's inconceivable. It's inconceivable. <laughs> The meeting ends with Vala's incredulity at the words of the senator. She then suggests that he wants to build more and bigger ships because he's compensating for other areas of insufficiency. Mm. <laughs> maybe maybe his uh, new rocket ships will have really, really bright lights that just are right in your mirrors. There you go. When they get back to the SGC, 
Landry is understandably furious. Yes. And he gives them to the go ahead to do whatever they have to do to break that link. Vala simply needs to go. So Mitchell, Daniel, Tilk, and Vala. We almost got the band back together. Almost. N- no. Do not construe this as anything me than me helping a friend, Mr. Mitchell. <laughs> anyway, they travel to a planet to meet Tanat and Jup. And Tanat and Jup are the current and proud owners of Caius's specially modified Teltac. Mm-hmm. Tilk and Mitchell pretend to be bounty hunters who have captured Daniel and Vala. There's a complicated ruse and blah, blah, blah. At the end, of the results <laughs> when our heroes have the ship and Tanat and Jup are now stuck on the planet. Yay! Unfortunately, the antagonists, that is to say Tanat and Jup, have called the Lucian Alliance for backup. And so, using the very cool tools, toys, the specially modified ship, they make ghost images of a whole fleet on their side. Woohoo! What? Yes, and then, and then they turn off their engines and they hit the EMP button. <laughs> and, and the other ships power down and they're like, ha and they fly away, escaping <laughs> unscathed. Uh-huh. And so they go to Caius, and they give the ship to Caius for the power coil. Yep. And then they go to Inago and give the power coil for the necklace. Yep. And finally, they go to Arlos and give the necklace for the means to break this link. Yep. Unfortunately, Arlos has done some research and says that the link can't be undone. But he thinks that it'll (laughs) probably wear off eventually, maybe. Someday. Perhaps. With nothing to show for their efforts except an interesting story, they return to the SGC. Daniel tells the general the bad news, and General Landry tells Daniel that he's agreed to give the International Oversight Advisory Board what they want. That is to say, a civilian watchdog with a voice in the goings-on and the goings-out and the goings-whatever of the SGC. Yeah. They do this in order to lock up some funding that they need to run the SGC with this new... Or I threat. Yeah. And then finally, Teal leaves again for Dakara because he's got his own Senate appropriations committees to deal with. <laughs> A but Mitchell, more ruthless. knowing how absolutely atrocious Senate appropriation committees can be, yes. is sure that he will come back. Yeah. <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> okay, Brent. Yeah. The ties that bind. Yes. What'd you think? Um... So, uh, on one hand, okay, first, we definitely seem to have been given a lot of information that kind of sets up the stage, at least it seems, going forward. Two, we had an episode that had a lot of fun, a lot of fun in it. And three, we had an episode that... Kind of seems to justify what the Senate Appropriations Committee was kind of griping about, sort of. Um, Acknowledging that this episode never intended to be something that is like uh, earth shattering and 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 hugely epic. uh, That the whole episode was just one giant like caper that results in nothing. I think I think at least gives weight to the argument that the appropriations committee was making when they said, what are you even doing anymore? <laughs> that said, uh, it, I, I did. I did really like it a lot. Um, uh, it it was fun. It was supposed to be fun. And there and, and it was fun. Um, it was uh <laughs> 
<laughs> it was it was supposed to give us a little bit more exposure and information with Vala the character and and maybe it did but probably not because everything <laughs> that she says is false. <laughs> is it working? Nope. <laughs> almost. Is it what he said? I think he said almost. Oh gosh. Um, the, I'm still, I mean, I, I get it. And I know that at some point we're going to have a Jaffa story and I'm sure I will feel like, well, no, I am sure that I will feel like there's an opportunity for something good to happen there, but I'm still like Christopher Judge's screen time. It's so brief. It's so sit here in a suit and say some lines like, you know, stand, stand over here and, and point to Zach Nicotel, you know, at a couple of times. It's just, it's just it, we used to have so much more going on with Teal'c and we just don't right now. And it's it's it is what it is. Uh, I've complained about it long enough. The so, suffice it to say, part of what's going on there, a uh, Christopher Judge's Teal'c is actually getting a lot more now than he ever did in like the first five seasons. Oh, that's fair. And two, that's fair. If you had you have one, if not two, new characters with uh, Mitchell and Vala, part of what needs to happen is telling their stories to get them up to speed. But what I yeah yes, I I think what I'm really kind of griping about is that. I'm I'm leaving space for the gripe. That's really what I'm doing. I'm leaving space for the gripe that this is no longer this is not SG1. This isn't this I mean and we've said it's SG1.5 and it's and it's fine. And but what but what it is is the Daniel Jackson show and that's fine. Like and it might you know of course it's not going to be just exclusively the Daniel Jackson show for the entire time. Like of course I'll be shifting the focus around a little bit. Of course this is still episode 3. Are we at um 4. 4. Uh, and of course, the television producers know what they have with the excellent character of Daniel Jackson and the wonderful portrayal of it by Michael Shanks. Like, and there's and and, and it's bountiful, like all of those close ups of Michael Shanks and I better learn her name. She's shown up enough. Uh, what's her name? Claudia Black. Um, like his emotive range is crucial for delivering the humor of those moments. Like he's doing great. It's wonderful. I'm not complaining about it. I am recognizing this is different as a result. I'm a little spicy with like, like, you know, the, it feels like they painted themselves into a corner with the Jaffa storyline. It makes sense. Why they thought that they were, they, they thought they were done with it. Now they're not done with it. So now they're trying to struggle to kind of justify like what's going on with this thing. So, It'll so, it'll resolve when it resolves. I, I I promise you that we will get some Jaffa stories. Good. I want some Jaffa stories. Um. I I I, I can't promise you that you will be satisfied with. Them I uh, hear you be, because that's on you, not goes. me. Yep. Um. But I promise you that we will have some Jaffa stories, and that uh, um they are coming. Yep. They're Good. not here yet. I, though, bringing it back to this one, I was entertained. I thought that the writing was certainly clever enough. Uh, the dialogue was certainly snappy enough. The um, introduction of the Lucian boys. What? What's Alliance. Their thing? Alliance. Um, it 
felt a little like, oh, and also these guys kind of in the same way that we had like just massive exposure, um, massive opportunity to engage with a larger galactic group in the story of space race. But it never was supposed to be that it was just supposed to be a funzy like, you know, like thing. But right. to kind of set it up, you sort of had to hint at uh, a much more sophisticated and uh, broad, you know, sentient life presence in the cosmos in order to make it like work. Uh, right. And then you just kind of don't bring it back up again, which is, you know, that's not the biggest. That's not the end of the world. But I, I think that what I'm kind of driving at is that the characters of Jup and what's his face? Jup to to not, you know, we saw them before and it was kind of. It was it was it was good that we saw them before, but it was also a little bit weird because it's 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 kind of a rare thing that we see uh, alien species at all. It's usually some version of human Uh, and here they're back, which is fine. And but now there's this whole alliance thing, which is fine. And it makes sense that it's fine. You know, like everything about it makes sense. But it's also a little bit like, oh, and, you know, in the eight to ten months since the uh, complete downfall of the Gould, uh, there is now uh, such a such a. Uh, a fully fledged alliance that uh, I guess was in the shadows before, but now is coming out of the shadows in the in the power vacuum. That uh, here they are. It was a little bit like bonk bonk. You know, here's a new here's a new uh, organization to put into our into our lore book, but it wasn't the worst. Um, I I kind of hope that we get some more activity with uh, scoundrels in space. I think that that idea has a lot of fun legs. I liked it with the Star Wars universe. I liked it with the Firefly universe. I did not like it with the Star Trek universe at all, but because uh, usually they were just more brooding. I'm thinking of the Maquis right now, uh, but oh, yeah, but uh, you know, yeah, I mean, like if we have if we have a little bit of that in our in our storytelling, that's all right. That's cool. I, I like that. And uh, I'm OK with the introduction of the friction that is undoubtedly about to come with the international civilian watch person thing. Yep. You know, whatever that the turns out to be. IOC, the in well, IOA, the International Oversight Advisory. Yes. Uh, undoubtedly, that'll be a point of it, it, it. It's fine. It's setting up a new dynamic. And that's all right. Like, again, I will leave space for a little bit of complaining of how this is not uh, this is not the old SG one. And that's OK. So let's kind of set up the stage for what's next uh and so yeah so overall i really did like this episode do i think this episode had a major impact on the story going forward yes in these little bits that i've talked about but kind of no uh because it reset to zero but on the other hand i think i think they were, i think they were playing with the reset to zero and it was fun to watch that so yeah overall i really did enjoy this one um i'm not sure that it's quite it it's not bad enough to get some bane boosts, but it's not quite so good as to be like just stellar. Uh, but I had a fine time. I really did enjoy it. So what about you, Zach? What do you think about this episode? So I think this is this succeeds at what it's trying to be. Yeah, uh, it's trying to be a caper. Um, just kind of uh, 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 there, there's some some silliness, some humor. Yeah, you know the 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 slap stickery of of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, trying to get, well, I need to get A to get B, and in order to get B, I need to get C, right. and then in order to, you know, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, and, and that's just fun. It, it It's not, uh, uh, there's a lot of things that are really simplified. 
uh, because uh, I mean, if if this were like trying to tell a deep dramatic yeah. story, yeah. the whole getting the shit back would be an endeavor, and it takes five minutes of screen time. Yes. Um, but from the very beginning of this episode, we knew that this was designed to be fun. Yes. It was designed, you know, the, the, and, and so we just got all these little bits that, that were just delightful. Um, I, I, I just had fun with Caius, especially, uh, who's like this, oh, I'm just this monk here and, and, yes. you know, the pilgrims yes. are here and they say, get me out of here yes. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it was just, and it was just, just acted s- tremendously. I mean, it was just so fun to watch. Yes. Um, uh, and I think you're right that, that this is an episode that, that is trying to create a story that's just kind of fun like this. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, establish, cause again, this is like SG 1.5, right? This is the fourth episode of a new series. Yep. And what do you have to do in the fourth episode of a new series, uh, especially when the first three episodes were basically just establishing who the bad guys were? Yes. Well, now we have to set a, establish some of the parameters of the universe. And so what have we established? Well, we've got the Lucian Alliance that are an issue. Um, we don't know exactly what they are, but they're there. Uh, and these are things that we've actually seen elements of this in previous seasons. But now we're really starting to, to feel that out, right? Yeah. Uh, we've also learned that the, the U.S. military is no longer, U.S. government is no longer willing to front the bill for the SGC. Yes. Uh, and so now we need to reset things uh, with an, you know, civilian oversight board uh, to, to kind of watch over and uh, pay attention to things mm-hmm. so that... Uh, uh, you know, they, they know that things are being run uh, appropriately from their perspective. Um, you know, so the, now we're just setting up all of these, these pieces that, you know, create the parameters in which our new characters are going to play. And it would be really easy to set up those parameters in a clunky way. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that in this episode. It was done very smoothly, uh, I felt. Um, the, the, the introduction for the Lucian Alliance was a little bit of like, whoa, yeah. okay, so that's a thing. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, it makes sense. Um, I mean, it, at least it's plausible. Um, you know, we, we've seen enough story before to know that, that, uh, the universe is bigger yeah. than what we had seen before. And now, as Earth, uh, we've got a, you know, at least we've got the Prometheus. We've got at least one Daedalus class ship. Um, we haven't seen it yet, at least not in SG One. Um, you know, so well, we've seen some some schematic pictures of it. Um, yeah, and we also, you know, I did notice that this episode did give us, uh, you know, a little bit of information about what had happened within the Atlantis storyline. Right. And I, it doesn't, it's fine. It, I probably will forget it by the time we get to season two and then I'll see it. I'll be like, right, that I, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's not that big a deal. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, cause the, again, the issue is how did they get to that spot? And, I and did. All stuff. I did find it funny. I couldn't tell, I couldn't tell what they were meaning by it, but like the line talking about how basically SG one is now the second fiddle. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's basically the Atlanta show now. And, you know, so that's where all the money's going to go. <laughs> well, I mean, and, you know, from an outside perspective, 
um, the SGC has done its primary mission. Yes. It has actually, um, you know, defeated the replicators. It has uh, relegated the Guawuld to no longer a major player in the galaxy and no yep. longer a major threat. Uh, and they have now the technology to make ships to defend the planet with and all of that stuff. Um, I, I totally understand where the Appropriations Committee is coming from. Um, and if it hadn't been for the introduction of the Ori and that problem, right? you know, a 70% reduction in budgetary capacity, you know, that is to say, now their job is to just kind of maintain some things, do a couple exploratory things every once in a while, looking for more Nakoda, blah, 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 all of that stuff. That would be fine. Um, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do all the cool things like explore things and, right. and you know, strange new worlds and right. new civilizations and all of that yep. stuff. Yep. Uh, so anyway, back to this episode. This episode, it, it, does, it just does what it does in a fun way. And it... Uh, it introduces some of the parameters of the universe that we're going to play in, in a way that is uh, pretty smooth. Yeah. Uh, which, for my money, means it's a good episode. Oh, yeah. If you tell a fun story that creates uh, parameters for which that you can continue to play in your pool later on. I mean, we've had other episodes that are fun, that it's just them playing around, splashing around in their own little pool. And those are great. Yeah. Um, but this does that and a little bit more. Um, uh, I thought that uh, Wallace Shawn was delightful as that, um, as uh, Arliss in this episode and, and the other actors as well. So um, let's see here. Are there any specific beats? Um, I, I, I really, again, l love the interaction between Daniel and Vala yeah. uh, when, when she tries to seduce him in his bedroom. Um, you know, I, I, I thought that was a great scene between those two characters. Um, we get a little bit of her backstory. Um, maybe. Do we? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's, uh, so, but whether or not the specific trauma that she talks about is true, this character is a character that has experienced some trauma. Uh, what is true is that she was a Gua'uld that the Toker removed the symbiote from her. Yeah. And now she's a humor, human with with that trauma in her head, and she's just trying to make it in the galaxy by herself. Wasn't there wasn't there special sauce that came with that? Didn't didn't Samantha Carter end up with some like superpowers as a result of having Jolinarn or whoever it was? In it was Jolinar for Smith. So, yes and no. Yes, in that the Nakuda does give you the capacity, not really superpowers, but to operate ghoul technology. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and so that's something that Samantha has, uh, even now. Uh, it's also something that was basically, I mean, at least up until this point, it's been mostly forgotten. Yes. Um, so we haven't seen this in Vala uh, up to this point, but it would stand to reason that she has that same capacity of controlling, managing, you know, a different Google technology that requires Nakwada. Yeah. Um, so whether or not that will play a role into the story moving forward is 
Well, we'll have to wait. We'll just have to see. Yeah. Um. So, you know, she's definitely dealing with some trauma. She's definitely um, concealing that trauma with um, various lies and other stories to try to gain sympathy uh, for herself, uh, at least so far as it, it gives her a chance to get something that she values. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fair to say that on some level, uh, she is also valuing a human connection that she hadn't had before. And she currently has no idea actually how to healthily go about having human bonds and connections and sure. such. Um, so we get all of that in that scene. And that comes out even if uh, everything else she says ends up being factually untrue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there again, uh, for me, uh, I find that delightful. Where we learn truths about a character... Even when we don't learn anything fact, mm-hmm. factual, mm-hmm. Um, I, I find that to be um, very effective and, and clever writing. Um, I mean, eventually I would like to know some of the facts. I mean, you know, that, that'd be nice. But also to recognize some of the, the, the truths of the, the core of the character, um, you know, the, the, because, you know, it's in a lot of ways, frankly... Um, we get stuck up on content. We get stuck up, stuck up on the things that somebody is doing. Brent, you and I had this conversation for like 90 minutes before we started recording today mm-hmm. about the stuff. Yes. Um, you know, and and um, what what really matters for human emotional connection is not the content, not the things that happen, but the process that... Mm-hmm. That comes about doing some things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got in that scene a process where we learn stuff about her. We learn stuff about Daniel to some degree. Uh, less about Daniel because he's been more established. Um, you know, and, and the fact that he's like, wait a second. You're trying to, uh, you know, he calls BS on her, yes. right? You know, yeah. you're, you're all oh, for crying out loud. Get out. Yeah. No, I'm not yeah. going to. And, you know, and this gets that balance of, of being able to recognize uh, an element of humanity without uh, excusing bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that scene. Um, I don't I don't know if I have much more to say, really. Yeah, I don't. I, but I don't think there's a whole lot to say. Right. Like there's a, there's a couple of core things that obviously got set up. Their obviousness was a little bit weird, but it was done in an episode that was not taking itself so seriously so that it. It kind of got a free pass as far as that's concerned. And, you know, I was I was thinking about how um, how this episode or at least these few episodes are reminding me of Scrubs, the TV show about how the how the focus, at least for these past few episodes, seems to be on the ensemble and less about the core cast. And so as a result, even though. Even though so many actors, guest actors were appeared on this one and so many of them had appeared before such that, you know, you were able to just like rattle off a bunch of names mm-hmm. and each of those actors had not much time except for the big ones, you know, like so, you know, Gary Jones was on screen for 30 seconds. Um, Bill Dow right. was on screen for 30 seconds. Uh, you know, they weren't on screen for long. But it was enough to f- have us feel like the SGC is full of p- 
people that we care about and that we're able to see engaging in things that we are familiar with them engaging in and and in just kind of furthering it along just a little bit more giving us just a little bit more information yeah you know like what what do we now know about uh uh master sergeant walter radar harriman well he's going to be sitting in meetings for a general <laughs> and you know, he, writing he's a- like the chief adjutant yes basically now yes um which is a lot more and and you know he's he's been given a lot of responsibility. That's 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 not the same as calling out when chevrons are locked. It's right. Uh, you know, he's you know, who who knows what he was in charge of other than, you know, calling out the numbers in the in the very first episode. But, you know, he's he's been doing a lot, uh, you know, yeah. Bill Lee, Dr. Bill Lee is is, you know, still the I mean, for all intents and purposes, he seems like the chief scientific officer right now. Like he's right. the guy, especially with Sam not there. Yeah. And so, you know, like, is he as is he as like epically genius as Samantha Carter? No. But is he uh, is he good in his own right? Yeah. And, you know, it, it shows he's got a he's got a demeanor. We like to look at him as like, you know, the also ran. But, you know, I mean, like he's 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 doing his thing. It's fun to see him. It's a little like yeah. uh, I suspect we won't be seeing much of Siler anymore. Honestly, <laughs> there's no. There's no real reason to have a stunt double for Richard Dean Anderson around. But, you know, like it was it was like that. It was like that. Well, he wasn't just a stunt double for Richard Dean Anderson. He was also the stunt coordinator for the show. Oh, that's true. That's true. Anyway, but you know what I'm saying? Anyway, We're, you know, yeah. it's, it's nice to see these folks around. Anyway. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right that, that, that what we see here is just kind of like uh, we see the, the workings of the SGC. Uh, and we're like, hey, you know, this whole process is a bunch of people that we like. And we want to see them do well. Yes. And so now we're concerned about the budget, because what does that mean for all of these secondary characters? Yeah. If the budget goes down, to say nothing of the grander story with the the Ori. Yes. Right. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. So. All right. I think, then, we're at that point. Yeah. Where? I ask you that question I ask every time. That age-old question. The age-old question. Or maybe it's... I don't know. I got nothing. Anyway, how many chevrons? <laughs> uh, I think you. I think you encapsulated it perfectly by saying it does a good job of what it was trying to do. Um, it really does a good job at what it was trying to do. I can't. You know what? Dang. As I'm thinking about, shoot. As I'm thinking about it, I can't think of any thing where it failed at what it was trying to do. And I can't fault it for what it was trying to do. Oh, shoot. I'm realizing I'm about to give this thing a seven out of seven. And I am. <laughs> I'm giving it a seven. But it's because as I'm thinking about it, it wasn't trying to be anything other than a humorous little tale that uh, that introduces a few more aspects to this universe, gives us a little more uh, experience with the characters, gives time for the newbies to show up and kind of, you know, get into their role and to give us a little bit of. Uh, a taste of what was to come with their role, set some things up, tell an entertaining tale, tell some jokes along the way and introduce some core aspect. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't find fault. It's it's a seven out of seven. I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, as far as that analysis is concerned, yeah, it hit the mark. I think it did a yeah. great job. So what about you? What do you think? So or how many do you give it? Wrong so question. I've been, yeah, I, I, I was thinking this question. Yeah. Um, and I think I have to give this a seven out of seven too, 
for the exact same reasons yeah. that you did. Yeah. You know, I was like thinking, like, like this is this has got to be like, I don't know, is this like a five? Is this like a yeah, right, right. Uh, five and yes. a half or six? But then you're like, well, no, it 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 does this well. It does this well. It does this. It it mixes them all well. It it does what it's supposed to be doing. And yeah. It does it well, and then it's like I I I can't fault this episode. No. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a light episode. It's just yeah. kind of a fun episode. Uh, you know, in terms of the plot, things are very convenient along the way, but, and, and we've seen this before, like it's possible to take a bunch of conveniences like we see here, the like A leads to B leads to C leads yes. to D and, and do it badly. Oh yeah. Uh, but they didn't do that. No. So I think I have to give it a seven. Yeah. I and really do. you know, even the contrivances were enjoyable. I thought it wrapped up really fast, but, you know, I mean, how else would you do it? It's fine. Like, I'm realizing, you know how we've criticized a, a number of episodes as having all the ingredients for a cake, but they didn't make a cake. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they have all the ingredients for a cake and they actually attempt to start making a cake, but it doesn't turn out well. This one, I think they were trying to make a real simple cake and they nailed it. Like, it's nothing. It's it's not. They're not going to be winning any culinary competitions with it, but they weren't trying to. They were just trying to make a nice cake, and they did. You know, they, they were trying to make a cake, to use this analogy, for somebody's birthday, yeah. so that that person would be happy, and it would be a festive day. And it, it was. It was. <laughs> Solidly all the way through. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. Yes. So I know that we have some predictions on the Facebooks. Yes. We also and, have some on the Discords. And we have at least an email. All right, we have, looks like, two comments on okay. Facebook. All right. We start with Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Adrian says, a Zelda quest on Stargate. Inconceivable. Yeah. Uh-huh. Zach has had time to accept this new Stargate and gives it a five and a half. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Brent is torn between conflicting emotions. <laughs> the host wins and gives it a five also. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> Turns out. Yeah. I mean. I, I I see where you're coming from, and, uh-huh. and I can't argue that, but yeah. All right, so and then we have Paul. Hi, Paul. Paul says, the beginning of Vala and Daniel's fun relationship. <laughs> Brent, a five, and Zach, a five. Yeah. They both rolled the dice, and that's what came out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... That's yeah. <laughs> that's that's legit. I was rolling I was rolling a D six plus one though, it turned out. Yeah, yep. Uh okay. Well, that's what we have on on the Facebooks. All what right. we on the Discords. On the Discords. We have uh David predicting that he will click send sometime before we start recording. He was right. Good job. Yep, he did. No no boops, but yeah, that's right. All right, we got JD. Hi JD. Hi JD. JD says, I've been MIA a minute, but back. Welcome back, JD. This Welcome. one is a goofy episode that will either be enjoyed or ridiculed, depending on if Z and B are into the trope of doing a thing for a person to get the MacGuffin, which leads to doing another thing. I enjoy this, says JD, but I know it can be irritating to some. I think Brent will find it irritating and give it a three. (laughs) (laughs) I think Zach will have a little more fondness for it and give it a four and a half. I give it a five because it's a volley Vala heavy episode. Ah, so, uh, Uh, in, in, in true fashion, JD, (laughs) (laughs) you got to go the other direction. You zigged. We zagged. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've got, uh, we got, uh, uh, Tarantosaurus X. Hello, 
Tyrannosaurus X. Uh, Tyrannosaurus X says, Octopus aliens are Raiders fans. Teal'c wears a suit. Whole episode plays out like a side quest of a video game. Kind of fun seeing the galaxy post Gould and how it seems more livelier. Solid fives from both just because of Wallace Shawn. Yeah, excellent analysis, but excellent, but 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 better. Yeah. All right. And now we have Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Medieval Jaffa Village. Here's our permanent set on view. Forests and deserts are out, guys. Medieval villages are in. Fast forward to a bit to the ring of Shangri-La. Power coil. But enter the Lucian Alliance. Dun, dun, dun. No. Fast forward again to zoomed out stock footage of Washington in standard definition. Okay, back to 1080p to listen to some (laughs) Senator Waffle. (laughs) Next, we say goodbye to pine forests and enter deciduous forest. I couldn't find a filming location, though. Any ideas? Hmm, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, I'm not anyway. I don't know. Teal joins us where Cameron reminds him of O'Neill, which is good. Maybe this one was fun. Not a major advance of the story apart from Watchdog, but I reckon a six all around. So long. Don't be a stranger. Six all around. Nope. 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 Not close. Not quite. Not close. Quite. Close, but not close. quite. But no cigar. No cigar. All right. That's what we got on the discords. All right. And we, got well, emails. we have we have one uh, email from David. Hi, David. So David says, before we can encode the chevrons, I need you to fetch a bias buffer. Ah, <laughs> uh, but you see, I traded that bias buffer in for a prediction. Ah, uh, yes. Well, he says, hey, I've played this game. It's a fetch quest. Uh-huh. Yes. Any of you old enough to have played the ancient Atari game Adventure in 1980, find the chalice and bring it to the castle. The chalice is in a different castle, and you have to find the key to that castle first. To find the key, you need to defeat the dragon, and to defeat the dragon, you need to find the sword, all in four-bait glory. Yeah. Anyway, that's this episode, but with much better graphics and a side <laughs> quest about getting money to run the Stargate Command. Yes. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, I think, is also the first meta joke that they are making about all the money going to Atlantis now. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers, there will be more. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. He predicts Brent will give it five chevrons for a run, for a fun, but mostly irrelevant episode. Yeah. Yeah. And Zach will give it five chevrons for the fetch quest plot and meta-ness of the episode. Yep. Nope. So, like, a little more. everybody, like, pretty much nailed our thoughts. Yeah. Uh, although, sorry, JD. <laughs> well, right. Well, I mean, but JD was still, I mean, he was, he was right about like, like it could be either, you could either get into it or you could hate it. That's true. That's true. And yet for both of us, you know, we, we got into the episode. We had fun with it. Yeah. And had a we nice had nothing to critique it with. Nah, right. So we didn't. Minus so we didn't anything. critique it. <laughs> no, we critiqued, but we did not punish. We did not punish. Yes. Yes. All right. So. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. For those great predictions. Keep them coming. Yeah. Please. Oh, they'd be fine. All right. So now next episode, Brent. Yeah. We're going to turn to the Stargate SG-1 episode, The Powers That Be. Uh Uh-huh. And I ask you, what are the powers that be? 
Uh, it seems like in the old days, I used to be better at this game. Maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe that's the consequence of listening for five years. <laughs> you slowly listen to Brent's mental decline. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you know, they're just the the listeners are just listening to, uh, you know, like the show has changed over time. Our podcast has changed. Before you were listening to great Stargate content, now you are listening for the slow demise of two hosts. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. The powers that be. You ready? I'm ready. I'm not, but we're going anyway. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team traveled through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. But wait, what does that even mean anymore? The SG-1 team. Is it really the SG-1 team? If an SG-1 team travels through a gate and finds themselves on a strange new world, but nobody's there to observe it, does it make a sound? We find out on this episode because the team is actually sort of the team, but not really the team. But they are the team. Any group of people that are together. That's a- anyway, enough rambling trying to find where I'm going with this. They arrive on a strange new world and they see off into the distance a magnificent temple of exquisite detail. They walk towards that temple and it takes them days to travel to it. It's that large. Oh my. Once they arrive, they suddenly realize that they are standing at the base of a palace of numbers. (gasps) Numbers. And they start walking and it's a two and a four and an eight and a 16. And a 32, and a 64, and a 128, and a 256, and a 532. No, what's that? 12. 12. (laughs) I was wondering how far this was going. Before I stopped trying to do powers of two, you see where I'm going. They have arrived at a temple, which is a mathematical impossibility. It is an enigma wrapped up in a conundrum, wrapped up inside an invisible, no, an imaginary number, which is a square. That's not a power. doesn't matter. Uh, they, 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 they have to solve all sorts of math problems. And it's good that they've got, uh, let's see, who's really good at math anymore? Nobody. No one's good at math. <laughs> Mitchell That's turns the problem. Out, Mitchell turns out to be really good at math, which is really convenient. Wasn't he the one that figured out the? Yeah, he was the one that figured out the number thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that wasn't math. That's Th- art. that was not math, but whatever. Join us now. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where we're going. Doesn't matter. Join us. Neither do, neither do the show writers. Join us next time <laughs> on Stargate SG One. The powers that be. Well, that. Was delightful, Brent. No, it sure wasn't. <laughs> no, it's, it's right up there with the with my movie descriptions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet you this is not going to be about math. Um, probably not. I bet you it's also not going to be. I bet you there's not going to be a temple. Well, uh, the only way to find out for sure is to watch the promo that David created for us. I bet you it will have an SG-1 team in it, though. I bet you it's more likely to have a temple than an actual SG-1 team. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) Let's take a look. All right. I'm hitting play now. Hallowed are the R.I. Oh, it's them again. Next time on Stargate SG-1. 
The SG-1 team returns to a planet once ruled by Katesh. Uh-huh, okay. A planet also visited by a prior of the Order. Uh-huh. Oh, that guy. Made uh -oh. No matter what happens, we must reject them. True enlightenment must begin with the truth. Yeah, means the truth is so For once, just do the right thing, okay? I feel so good about that. <laughs> Will Vala be forced to pay for the crimes of Katesh? The first claim of seven, mass murder. Oh, my. Uh -oh. Or will the prior of the Ori force the people of the planet to make oh, an even different choice? Yes! Call will it. they choose freedom, Earlier. or will they follow origin? Ah. Uh -oh. It's all next time. On Stargate SG. Oh dear! But I see they're back in the sand dune location. Oh, yeah, with their with their one. Okay. Look. Hallowed are the Ori. I guess I just have to get used to that. There might be an audio stinger on these things now. <laughs> yep. Uh sorry, David. Oh, thank you, David. Yes, thank you. So, uh, yeah, we've got uh, uh, Katesh, that's, that's uh, Vala's old Gould, um, and now we're on Katesh's old planet, yeah. and, and now we have the Priors and the Ori, and, and oh dear. Yep. So, that kind of funny that powers uh, that be. That we talked about the, the Gould power thing. Yeah. There it is. Yep. Yep. Funsy times. Yep. Fun times. Fun times. Fun times. Okay. Well, dear listeners. Tell us what you think about yes. all that we talked about. We gave this episode a seven. Yeah. And all y'all thought we'd give it like a five. Yeah. No kidding. And, 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 and so, you know, where, where should we have reduced our numbers? <laughs> we shouldn't have. What are you talking about? I'm where, not, I'm, I'm, where, where do you believe they, that we should have? Where should they have increased their numbers? Ah, well, mm -hmm. there you go. All those are fun, fun questions that you can mull over and talk about and chat about by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com or talking about it on Facebook or the discords yeah. and all of that stuff. Yep. And don't forget, episode 200 is coming up in six episodes. Yes. Get out. So it. ask us your questions about anything. Yeah, anything. At all. You can ask. You can ask any question. Any question. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, and with that. I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.